Hawaiian seabird. Um, it's known as the Hawaiian petrel, or its Hawaiian name, uwa'u. Um, it's about 17 inches from head to tail and has a three-foot-long wingspan, which is really large um, for petrels. Bird from Maui was tracked at a 6,000-mile loop from its burrow at Haleakala all the way to the Aleutian Islands and back. So just imagine um, going to the grocery store for a jog and you had to go 6,000 miles round trip to feed your children. Um, we know of three active colonies on the vast slopes of Mauna Loa with a few scattered nests elsewhere. In the 15 years I've worked with petrels, one of our colonies had between 20 to 26 active burrows. Last year it went down to three active burrows. These petrels are special. They nest only here um, and they, uh, they come to, to land only to breed. Um, so for the first about six years of their life, they're at sea completely. Um, and then when they return to breed, they uh, go to these very high elevation uh, nest sites um, above tree line, above 8,000 feet, and, um, and, and they nest in these little holes in um, weathered lava flows. Um, the colonies on Mauna Loa is where the adults breed, um, and the female lays one single large egg in May. And then the parents take turns incubating the egg. And during incubation, um, the birds go into a hibernation-like state. Um, they don't feed, they don't eat. And about after 54 to approximately 58 days, the egg hatches. Then the parents return to sea to feed, and they come back up to the burrow um, to regurgitate squid and fish to feed the chick. And that goes on for about four months. So just imagine how many grocery store trips that takes. And then um, in October, November, the chick comes out to stretch its wings and practice flapping. And then eventually the parents stop coming up to feed and it kind of forces the chick to fledge and um, go to sea for the first time to feed. Um, what we can't see are, are the primary threat up there, which are feral cats and rats, um, two predators. Uh, rats will take um, eggs and, and probably small chicks and the cats uh, will kill adults and chicks. And um, from our monitoring, we know that cats are the most serious threat up there. Um, and, and we've seen them um, trap lining nests. Um, we know that they go from nest to nest and, and check out each one to see if there's a bird out. And we've seen on video um, that they uh, will insert their body um, as far in as they can go in these small openings to the burrows, you know, just trying to get as far in as they can. Um, and then in other instances, um, we've seen them sit and wait outside the burrow, just um, hoping that an adult or a chick will emerge that they can grab. Um, so those, those are the most serious threats. But there are um, some additional ones as well that are, are, are taking some toll. And these include um, um, artificial lights. Uh, petrels um, come and go after dark. And so they're attracted to these um, lights and uh, they'll get disoriented. Sometimes they'll crash into buildings or other structures, and then they're just fair game for um, cars or dogs or cats. Um, and uh, also marine debris. We've um, seen small bits of nylon that must come from some type of fishing gear outside the nest, and so the birds are ingesting this, and then um, it's being regurgitated at some point, and that's why we see it outside the nest. And in one carcass, we actually um, saw plastic in the digestive tract. One, one more threat I would uh, characterize as important is um, maybe uh, reduced food supplies as um, the human population grows and, and, um, and we take more and more from the ocean. 
With assistance from Hawaii Natural History Association, the park is able to conduct monitoring um, up Mauna Loa about four times a year, and that's about the minimum we think we need uh, to be able to assess what's happening at nests up there. Um, we're also uh, able to conduct live trapping up there for feral cats, um, but this is very uh, labor-intensive and thus very expensive, and we rarely catch cats in the colonies. The endangered wa'u is the most elusive bird species I've ever worked with. Um, we rarely ever get to see the actual birds. Um, with what interactions that I have had, um, you get so excited when you're up at the colony and you go to the burrows and there's fresh poop <laughs> or there's um, actual footprints, um, the neatest webbed feet footprints of the bird going in the burrow or um, down from the bird when it goes in and it, the down gets stuck on the rocks and it's blowing in the wind and you're like, oh, there's a bird. Um, or even being um, in your tent at night and the bird's coming in from sea and they come in so fast and you just hear the whoosh of the wind through their um, wings. It, it's pretty amazing. And um, sometimes the calls at night of the birds you can hear throughout the colony. Yeah, they have a real distinctive smell. Mm -hmm. So when you actually get your head down and smell, it's like, oh, there's a petrol. <laughs> Um, in the 15 years that I've worked with them, I've only seen three um, live adults and one live chick. So, yeah, not too much interaction. Mm -hmm.